Thank you, worship team, for ushering us into the presence of the Lord. And every time I'm here, the worship team blesses me. Thank you, Diane, as well. And, uh, and for the boys at the front that were um, doing the actions to that first, um, first song, wonderful. And the girls in the balcony, I saw that too. <clears throat> so it's so good to see the corporate body of Christ includes babies. Oh, Darcy and April, congratulations on the birth of your little one. And also grandparents, and uh, Dorothy's a great grandma. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, children in the church are so important. And I, my heart, I always say to my wife, when I come back from here, I've been blessed. And the number of teenagers and children in the church just is thrilling to see. So you're definitely doing something right in the name of the Lord here. For scripture this morning, <clears throat> you'll notice the funny title in the bulletin. It's called Nathan, uh, Naaman the Big Dipper. So we'll look into God's word, 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that would uh, he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are you not, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, 
and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. And verse 19, Go in peace, Elijah said. Shall we pray? And now, O Lord, I ask that our minds might be receptive to your holy word and our hearts might be responsive to your Holy Spirit. For we ask this in your holy name. Amen. As I was driving here, I was seeing some uh, flecks of snow, and I thought, well, it is the season, but thank you, Lord, for November being what it has been. Um, Our little grandson was at our place. He's four for an overnight, and yesterday, uh, Nana, Nanny, as he calls Bonnie, and uh, Rhett were out picking dewworms, and I don't know how many dewworms he got, but anyway, I said, you're going to give those to Papa's chickens? Nope. So they came back to Athens, or they will come back to Athens today. <clears throat> a bit of humor. A Sunday school teacher asked a little girl, what are the sins of omission? Thoughtfully, the little girl answered, they're the sins we ought to have committed but haven't thought of yet. <laughs> the minister was trying to impress upon the children that when one has a sinful heart, it needed to be checked and fixed. So he pulled out his pocket watch and pointed to it. Suppose my watch here didn't keep good time. Maybe it went too slow or too fast. What should I do with it? A little boy looked at him and said, sell it. (laughs) A mother decided to send her boy a Bible by mail. Unfortunately, by the time he got it, five of the Ten Commandments were broken. Well, You know, our world is filled with people that are very concerned about appearances. I fell into that category of I'm going to refuse to age. I refuse to go bald. I told my wife that. So I secretly went out and purchased a men's hairpiece. Once and finally, I listened to my wife who said, Jack, because you perspire so much, your wig, I said, no, honey, it's a hairpiece, is one color and the rest of your hair gets wet from sweat. That did it. My pride went out the window. I said, my dad went bald. I'm going to go gracefully bald. I am not as bald as he was at my age. I finally decided to let nature do with me what it would. So I have thinner hair like millions of men on planet Earth. Well, on a more serious note, when you look around at people who attend church with you on Sunday, what do you see? Do you see impressive people that are dressed in their best clothes and who clearly have no pressures and no issues in life? Or do you see hurting people in need of comfort, troubled people who need peace, sick people who need healing? Marshall Hayden wrote an article a few years ago entitled, Would Every Non-Hurter Please Stand Up? And he pointed out... Uh, that on Sunday people come dressed nicely wearing their best smiles. Everyone looks happy enough, so we assume all is okay. But we need to, he suggests that we need to look beyond the facades and realize that pews are full of real people 
with real issues in real time. If you remember back to the Beatles when they came out, I think I was um, 11, and uh, it was Sunday night, and my parents, we were watching television, and the Ed Sullivan Show, I believe, some of you are old enough to remember Ed and his little Topo Gigio, the mouse. Um, they had the Beatles on, and one of the songs that they sang during their uh, hurrah in the world was Eleanor Rigby. And she kept her face in a jar by the door, and she put it on, uh, figuratively speaking, when people came in, but she was a very unhappy woman. And that describes a lot of people that we come in contact with. Um, Karen would know what I mean by this, uh, but um, McCurley. But at school, I teach uh, one of the subjects I teach is English as a second language, and I uh, look at these students and I think, what are you feeling? You're in Brockville, you're in Canada, you've left your homes, and uh, particularly a girl that has come from the Ukraine. And every day she hears horror stories. Her mother and her little sister Salomia are here. Her brother's coming after Christmas to go to university, but her father is fighting in the war in the Ukraine, and we need to pray for that. It breaks my heart when uh, you know, we have so much, and here is this war-torn country. Hayden writes, over the here in the church is a family with an income of $550 weekly and a payout of bills of over 1000 Over there is a family with two children who, according to their father, are failures and useless. He repeatedly says, you're stupid. You never do anything right. The lady over there has cancer. Over there is a little girl with a weakened heart. Sam and Louise cannot get along and are filing for a divorce. Last week, two fathers in the church were laid off and one single mom as well. This woman tries to hide her bruises inflicted on her by her husband. And that man has lost his license permanently for drunk driving. Those teens struggle for acceptance in high school and even in this church. And then there are those who have lesser hurts, but not at all lesser to the owners. In the face of the word of God, we have good news. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The book of Matthew. In today's lesson, we meet a man named Naaman who was in <coughs> turmoil over his appearance. Thank you to whoever brings me Adam's ale. I appreciate it. <coughs> his name means pleasantness. He was a proud person who wanted to be healed. Scripture instructs us that God is against a proud heart in his children. In fact, in 1 Peter 5, 5, God, it tells us that God actually works against a proud heart. But he only gives grace to the humble. In the scripture today, we read of a man who was willing to be stripped away of his pride so God could bring about a miracle of grace. The story opens in the land of Syria to the north of Israel, and during this period, Syrians would come periodically to make forays into Israel, and they'd plunder and take captives, and a little Israelite girl, Scripture tells us, was captured. 
she would become a slave and uh, to the great Syrian commander named Naaman, a man of power and a man of influence. He was a captain. He also was a conqueror, but he also was a castaway. He was a leper. Uh, <clears throat> oh, thank you very much. Now I have two. <laughs> very kind. During uh, this time, he was separated from his people because of this disease, and Naaman was losing uh, all his sense of feeling in his body and due to this leprosy. And during Jesus' ministry, he came upon many who were lame and blind and demon-possessed and stricken with leprosy. Today, in society, we're surrounded by men and women who at this moment are suffering from an incurable disease, from some incurable disease that eventually will lead to their deaths. Leprosy caused Naaman to become a man of fear and fear that the real Naaman would be revealed. Fears that we today have, fear that his disease would be discovered, fear that he'd be rejected by others. No one likes to be rejected by others, but it happens. So what happens here? We put on a good front. We keep up a public appearance. We hide our shortcomings. We put on a face of self-sufficiency. And sometimes we are screaming inside from pain and fear, but our pride stops us from seeking help and support. God brings people across our paths regularly that can minister to us if we need help. I remember vividly when I was younger, we had a man in our church in Ottawa who had a terrible birthmark on his face. If you can imagine this man, it would be the size of a small child's fist, but it hung over his lip and it was purplish and blue. And um, we never knew him because we were sort of afraid to talk to him. He came in uh, the front of the church and sat in the front row where the boys are sitting. And uh, we got used to him. But I remember thinking as a teenager, and I finally did speak to him, I got thinking as a teenager, what must that man think? He was judged on his outward appearance, which was no fault of his own. His mother refused to have it removed. He had a job where he was not seen in public. What must he have felt? We all want to have perfect hair, the pride factor, perfect teeth and body. Not reality, is it? Not all the time. For Naaman, God puts on, <coughs> pardon me, for Naaman, God puts his right people in the right place at the right time. A call came from the man of God, Elisha. He said, have the man come to me so that he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. A simple command from this prophet, seven dips would heal Naaman, very specific. Hmm. Naaman was told what he had to do to be healed. As you read this story, Naaman has a better plan. He thought that he could buy his healing. He thought that he could change God's plan. And isn't that like us sometimes? We 
pray, Lord, help me in this situation, and then we step in and try to help the Lord. Ludicrous, but we do. It's human nature. If people are micromanagers, they must get very frustrated. <laughs> um, we, we cannot bargain with God. So, in whatsoever state I find myself, therewith I am content. My mother was um, a very godly lady, and uh, she had epilepsy, and she had diabetes. And one day, when she was in grade 13 at uh, BCI, Brockville Collegiate, she took a, they were dissecting a cat. And I said, Mom, you were dissecting a cat? And she said, that's what we were doing. And they had partners. And she took a grand mal seizure. She only had one in her life, but she took it in that biology class. The students were frightened. Uh, the teacher called down to the office, and they called the hospital, how times have changed. And four men came with a gurney and carried Mom across the street to the <laughs> Brockville General. And she, I said, Mom, have you prayed for healing? She said, oh, many times. But she said, it is not for me to corner God and say, I have to be healed. I will live with what I have and be a blessing. She was a teacher, and um, she had a wonderful relationship with the Lord. And uh, she said, after that experience, uh, people at the high school, students at the high school were afraid of her because back then... I mean, she was in BCI in 1935, I think, or 36 when she graduated. Epilepsy was something that people didn't understand, unfortunately. We do now. But Mum said, I felt rejection, and I was always worried that I would have another one of these seizures. After that, she had um, petite, petite, petite seizures, uh, petite mal, and uh, we would cover for her, so we knew when she was going to have one of these and we'd just step in front of her or we'd, you know, um, make sure that uh, she was not going to hurt herself. But it only lasted a, a minute or two. We sometimes think that, our, think that our way is much better than God's. And I've found in my life that the best thing to do when you get cornered into a problem and... Uh, things happen in your life, I've learned to turn it to God and let him deal with it. You say, that's easier said than done. Oh, indeed it is. You know, somebody angers you and you want to deal with it with revenge, but for the Christ follower, that is not the way of God. And uh, <clears throat> leave it to God, give it to him, and see the results. Because he is a great physician. <coughs> He's the great uh, the great solver of problems and dilemmas that we face. And we should learn from his ways. Then we come to the miracle. Naaman listened to the people he usually ignored. He listened to that little captive girl. What was there in her character that caught his attention? Men in that culture did not listen to women. I know that doesn't apply to men today, but, you know. And all the wives look at me and say, hmm. <laughs> I listen to my wife, I know better. Do not be intimidated by people. Listen to the quiet voices when you need direction. 
When you possess a godly character, your faith will speak. So when you're in the community and meeting people and in everyday life, we need to make sure that our Christ-likeness is coming through. Does it always? No. Do we always take, up, oppor- uh, take the opportunity to listen to God's still small voice when uh, he's speaking into us? Not always. But when we do, there's a benefit to it. What does this mean to us? Note this, beloved. God may have a message for us from an unusual source. It might be a family member, a parent, a child, a sibling, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent. It even might be from someone who irks us. Not that we ever have those people. It might be a colleague, a teacher, an employee. It might be someone who is not so gifted with academic or intelligent ability. But God loves them and God uses them. And that helps with our pride. Naaman had to swallow his pride. He arrives with pomp and power. He disliked the prophet's protocol, didn't he? He hated that river. It was filthy. This treatment is clearly not befitting for a person in his position. But beloved God sometimes calls us out of our comfort zones in order, yes, to see ourselves, but also to help us to see ourselves in God's light. If we are obedient to God's voice, there are blessings in store for us. I remember being at summer camp and um, we had a visiting missionary from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Her name was uh, Bertha Major. And Bertha grew up in the church that I came to faith in. And she sang at my grandmother's funeral. She became a teacher, and uh, the Lord called her to missions. And uh, she went to Sierra Leone and taught uh, high school for a number of years. And then she came back to Canada on furlough, and she became a registered nurse. And back she went uh, to serve God in that capacity. And um, when I was in college at, uh, in New York State at Houghton College uh, doing my degree, we had a guest speaker, a dentist by the name of uh, Hollis Smith. And he and his wife went on a missions trip to Africa. And Bertha took them into the hill country into literal huts where people were sick. And Bertha got down on her knees and ministered to them. And Hollis said, my wife and I were so humbled. And this woman, unassuming, godly, she listened to God's call on her life, and she went to Africa, and she ministered to people, no matter what they were, what they had, who they were, what disease they had. She was there to help them and get them into a hospital if needed. God is very good at calling us out of our comfort zones. God is very good at pinpointing what our need is. And sometimes we shove him away, but he comes back. His spirit comes back and deals with us. Why? Because he wants us to come forth as gold and to be better. So I like to do a little test with uh, the book of Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit. And at the end of the year, before Thanksgiving, or before New, New Year's, 
uh, it's very good to go through the fruit of the Spirit and see, am I more patient? When you teach high school, you do need a good dose of that. When you have little ones, you need a dose of patience. If you're married, you might need a dose of patience too with your spouse. <laughs> but God refines us, and if we struggle with pride or arrogance, not becoming of a follower of Christ, but if we do, we can turn it over to God and say, Lord, help me. Am I more loving? Go through that list in Galatians and give yourself a checkup before we enter 2023. I was delighted when um, Ron called me and said, would you speak on January uh, 8th, I believe it is? And I said, absolutely. I never refuse uh, uh, Athens CRC unless I'm pre-booked. And I thought, here I get to come into this church and sort of help kick off the new year. And hopefully in this new year, we will grow in our Christian lives. So very important. Naaman comes to his defining moment in verse 14. Dip seven times in the Jordan River. Hmm. Why should I do that? Think of, uh, as Ron mentioned this morning, we're soon coming to celebrate Jesus' birthday. When he came to earth, did you ever think why he came the way he came? Born in a stable? I don't know about you, but stables aren't the most pleasant place to be. Born of plain parents? The Son of God came to earth and he was humble. And I often think he wanted us to realize that we as his followers need to practice humility. He is no respecter of persons. In his book, Interviews with Jesus, author Jerry Vines writes this, a defeat that leaves you humble is better than a victory that leaves you proud. Someone once said, it's not the mountain that you face in front of you that wears uh, you down, it's the grain of sand in your shoe. And C.S. Lewis said this, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world to the true realities of life. What realities of life are you facing this morning? Consider this, would Naaman ever go to see Elisha if he didn't have leprosy? I don't believe so. His curse was the means to his blessing. Naaman confesses in verse 15, Indeed, I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. A defining moment in life occurs when I realize that trials don't come to destroy me unless I allow them to. But they can bring healing to my heart and to my soul. C.S. Lewis also said, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. God bless you this week as we approach Advent. And uh, Lord willing, I'll see you in the new year, if not before. Shall we pray? Father, we are grateful today for your goodness and grace. We thank you that through your word, you speak to us. 
thank you for using people to teach us humility and never to be like Haman and display pride. We are too good for this. God has his way of refining us so that we do come forth as gold. Bless this beautiful congregation and the beautiful children and young people. And Father, bless the elders that lead. I'm touched by uh, Henny's seriousness of her cancer. Would you be with her round about her bedside and for her caregivers? And Lord, anyone else that is in this room struggling, we offer them to you for your healing touch, your comfort, your encouragement. Lord, bring people across our path this week that we can minister to, that we can open ourselves up to in some small way that they will see the beauty of Jesus in us. This we ask in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For you have taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And shall we stand for the blessing? To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence with, <clears throat> without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.